Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Sports with Ben Crennel on ESPN 960 and 94.5 FM. And it's time for the Cougar Beat. Getting the dish from the local reporters that cover BYU sports here on your Cougar Sports Insider Radio Network. Welcome back into Cougar Sports here on ESPN 960. I'm Bryce Larson taking over for Ben Crittle today as he gets ready for Thanksgiving. Hunter Miller alongside... Uh, co-hosting with me today, and then Gavin Lee on the socials, as well as Ronald producing for us back in Salt Lake City. Uh, we're going to get out to the phone line here in this segment and welcome in Casey Lundquist from BYU Sports Illustrated to chat about uh, the upcoming game here against Stanford, as well as uh, this basketball game that's not going very well for BYU at the moment as they're down 59-43, to about 10 minutes to go in the second half. Uh, this segment's going to be brought to you by Chubby's, uh, Chubby's Cafe. Make sure you uh, head in there. If you go in, let them know ESPN 960 sent you. You'll get uh, a couple of free scones there at Chubby's Cafe, which are really, really good. Can't be beat, honestly. The cinnamon scones are really, really good. Yeah. Now I know, now I know what I'm doing for dinner tonight. <laughs> I don't get down to Utah County often, so when I do, i got to take advantage. There we go. Um, all right, let's get out to the Chubby's Cafe hotline and welcome in our first guest of the program, Casey Lundquist. Casey, thanks for joining us today. Uh, how's it going, man? Hey, guys. I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great, doing great. We would be doing better if this uh, BYU basketball team could, uh, you know, play a little bit better, cut down on the turnovers. But I don't know if you've been watching, but give us a couple of your takeaways from what you've seen from them so far today against USC. Yeah, I I have been watching. Uh, I think it's just kind of a numbers game for BYU. They're they're putting so much stress on their shooters by turning the ball over so many times when you you know have a game of like 60 possessions and you're turning it over 20 times a game a third of the time you're not even getting a shot up so that means when you do get a shot you have to really um, be shooting a high a high field goal percentage to be able to stay in the game and uh, they did that in the first half and then they were able to kind of hang in the game by dominating on the board. And right out of the second half, um, the Trojans seemed to figure out a way to keep BYU's rebounding in check. And then all it took was a a few um, Trojan threes, and they were on their way. So I think uh, BYU just really needs uh, someone on the team that can consistently get a bucket and create for themselves. And I think that's what's lacking right now. 
I think that's part of the reason why you have so many turnovers. Um, guys are are just dri- taking a few dribbles, um, unable to get anywhere, and then trying to pass sometimes into traffic, it's, and it's resulting in a lot of turnovers. So, uh, like I said, they, they shot pretty well in the first half, I think around 45 or 50%. That's about as good as you can hope for. But um, overall, you're just not getting enough shots up, and uh, you're putting yourself at a big disadvantage. Yeah, no, uh, BYU so far, 15 turnovers um, against USC. And, you know, a lot of people have, have referenced Rudy as a guy who turns the ball over a lot. So far today, he's just got two turnovers. It's it's more of a team thing, though. Gideon George has three turnovers. Uh, Dallin Hall even has three turnovers, a guy who Mark Pope kind of has gone to down the stretch. Um, do you think that this is a byproduct of Mark Pope going away from calling plays each possession and kind of giving them more freedom um, and is a, a way to get back to, you know, turnoverless basketball to go back to the weave and that, that beautiful offense that they ran last year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I don't know if it's uh, systemic. I don't know if, if it's philosophical, but uh I think the only way you could cut down on the turnovers is if you had a guard that you could rely on to take care of the ball and you ran every possession through him, um, whether that was Rudy Williams or Down Hall or someone else. But I think Down Hall has the potential to be that guy who uh, you run your offense through. I do think he makes everybody better around him. He's really good at finding open shooters. Uh, he has struggled today at times against USC's length, but I think the only way to cut down the turnovers would be find someone that you can hang your hat on to protect the ball, um, let them handle the ball, and find open shooters and avoid areas where you know guys like um, you know Gideon George, who's Traore, aren't aren't forced to dribble and get out of tough spots because I think. That's where the turnover ratio is just really high um, when those guys get in tough spots. Casey, how much is the turnovers just a result of what Rudy is doing as opposed to what the team is doing? Because I look at Rudy Williams when he was at Kansas State and at Coastal Carolina a season ago, and he wasn't as turnover prone as he is now with BYU. 1.3 his first year with Kansas State, and then last year playing more minutes than he has uh, this year. It was only averaging 2.2 turnovers a game, and now this season five. Is it something that BYU, you know, the offense they're running, or or what do you think the problem uh, with Rudy Williams and his turnovers has been? I think it goes back to not having enough players on the floor that can, can create for themselves. So it puts a lot of stress on a guy like Rudy who can handle the ball and can create a little bit. I think he's he's tasked with an extra load of um, either finding himself or his teammates a shot. And and at some point um, when he is in, you know, late game situations or uh, shot clock running down, I think there's just not enough real estate for him to operate and um, it creates turnovers. I, I don't have all the answers. I think, you know, when you're turning the ball over anywhere from 20 to 30% of the time, I think it's probably a multitude of things. Mm-hmm. And I think with Rudy specifically, um, I think 
he he needs to be on the floor. I think that's evident in this game. He was one of the, the lone players that could find a bucket when BYU needed it most. But at the same time, he, he definitely has to take care of the ball. But I don't I don't put that solely on him. Like you said, uh, his his turnover rate has increased this year. So what is driving that? It's a, is it situational? Um, is it you know because we're only four games into the season? I think time will tell. But I think Rudy is one of your best five, and you've got to have him on the floor, but that's contingent on him being able to protect the ball. One more question about the turnovers, because I know fans and probably yourself don't want to keep harping on it, but, you know, is this is it time to panic for BYU when it comes to these turnovers? Or, you know, we're five games in now with this USC game being played, uh, and we haven't really seen the turnovers become less frequent but do you think it's time to panic at all or do you still think that uh this BYU team could can improve and get that turnover number down I I mean I I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here but I, I do think um if you're not hitting the panic button you're like starting to to take your hand right on top of it and think about it uh it it's consistent against every opponent regardless of how good that opponent is deemed to be. They've, they've had turnover troubles, you know, dating back to even uh, the exhibition game against a team they were clearly superior against. But uh, I think when you, when you have a common denominator that regardless of the opponent, you're turning it over 15 to 25 times, then, then I think you have a problem on your hands. All right, Casey. Uh, let's kind of let's transition over to the football side of things. Uh, get your thoughts on this Stanford matchup, but I also want to get your thoughts um, on this piece you wrote over at Coogs Daily, BYU Sports Illustrated. Um, you wrote about a trio of preferred walk-on offers that BYU handed out to uh, Micah Beckstead, Jared Esplin, and Ian Sanchez as well. Um, do any of these guys have the opportunity or, or the upside of one of, you know, Tyler Algier? Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's a, that's a pretty high bar, right? You've you got a guy that comes as a walk-on and becomes your single-season uh, leading rusher. So I don't know if we'll ever see see that again. But I, I really, really like Micah Beckstead. I think he's worthy of a scholarship offer, not just a preferred walk-on offer. Um, I've watched him dating back to his sophomore season, and he's just uh, the best way to describe him is smooth. He he makes um, gaining yards as a running back just look effortless. Um, he honestly his his running style reminds me a little bit of his potential position coach in Harvey Yunga. He's really not quite as big as Harvey, but he just makes cuts and. Um, breaking tackles just looks smooth, and uh, I I know he just got an offer from Weaver State. So if BYU wants to bring him in, they're probably going to have to up the ante and and give him a full blown scholarship offer now that he has another one on the table. But really like Micah um, and his teammate Jared Esplin. I don't know if you watched the high school state championship game, but uh, man, he made an awesome clutch catch in the in the end zone that was. Uh, looked like a, you know, a, a light version of a Puka Nakua, really talented player. Um, and then BYU could be in the market for a kicker this next year, and they might have their guy in Ian Sanchez. He was four for four from 
50 plus this last year, which is a really good mark for a high schooler. So, um, yeah, I think walk-ons are going to be really important for BYU, um, especially as they head into the Big 12 when depth is going to be a challenge. And you need to be able to find your three to five guys every year from the walk-on program that can become, you know, at least at the contributor level and maybe even become starters. Speaking of recruiting and kind of the first year in the Big 12, Casey, I I want you to put on (laughs) your best Aaron Roderick hat here. Um, And I'm going to ask you about the quarterback position, uh, the one everyone obviously wants to know about. If you're the BYU coaches, what is kind of your plan of attack for the quarterback position? Obviously, it's a pivotal year going into the Big 12. We'll see what Jaron Hall ends up uh, doing with the NFL draft coming up and what he wants to do, go pro or come back. But say Jaron Hall does put his name in the NFL draft and leaves BYU, uh, what would be your plan of attack for the quarterback room? Would you go with a Jacob Conover? Would you hit the transfer portal? What would you do if you were these BYU coaches? Yeah, regardless of Jacob Conover, if if I'm Aaron Roderick, I'm definitely going to the transfer portal. Um, Despite, you know, how highly touted Jacob Conover was out of high school, he's still only played one half of college football. And that's just simply not enough sample size for me if I'm going into your first season in a Power 5 conference. Uh, We've seen, I think really for the first time this last year, the full-blown uh, quarterback transfer craze and how well it worked for a lot of schools. Um, even for guys that maybe weren't in their in uh, the best spots, I think Bo Nix has just been shocking to me. I, I thought for sure we knew who Bo Nix was at Oregon. and then, I mean, excuse me, at Auburn. And, and now that he's at Oregon, he looks like an entirely different player. And I think it will be to BYU's benefit that they have a, a quarterback-friendly system I think if you can if you can be accurate and take care of the football, you can put up some really good numbers in this BYU offense. So I think they they have the opportunity to maybe get um, you know not your highest of profile names out of the portal, but I think a name that that people would be able to recognize someone that has experience either at the Power Five level or the Group of Five level. And so I think uh, BYU should go that route this next year, going into the season with just Jacob Conover and uh, your only newcomer being Ryder Burton. I just don't think that's enough. And so I would fully expect BYU to at least um, recruit multiple transfer portal quarterbacks and bring one, maybe even two in. Yeah, we mentioned some guys last segment. I, I mentioned Deacon Hill and Hank Bachmeyer, and Bryce mentioned, you know, perhaps Jackson Dart, depending on what Lane Kiffin does at Ole Miss. But, but who are some of the guys that you might think BYU should target in that transfer portal? Um, yeah, I cer- certainly the ones you just mentioned that are already in the portal. I actually think we won't know who BYU should really target until seven to fourteen days from now when there's an exodus into the portal. Uh, I think, like last year, you're going to see some surprising names go in there. Um, guys that that we're, we're probably going to be watching on Saturday. So I think it's probably a little too early to call, but I don't think we're going to see any regression from last year in terms of the numbers number of quarterbacks entering the portal. I think it's going to be about the same, if not even more. So um, I think... 
whether it's a guy who was highly touted out of high school who just never really had his opportunity, I think BYU will be able to um, to find a few guys like that, or other guys like you mentioned, like a Hank Bachmeyer that uh, do have multiple years of starting experience that could come in and and start right away and lead BYU into the Big 12. Um, I think we'll have a better answer for that, like I said, in just two weeks. Would you prefer to maybe find the future of the program in this transfer portal and go for a younger, you know, perhaps underclassman guy who can play multiple years, or would you prefer to maybe go for, you know, a one-year rental grad transfer type quarterback, Casey? I think ideally you find a guy with, at least two years of eligibility remaining. I think that would be ideal to give your offense some stability in the first two years of Big 12. But uh, I think ultimately you just have to take the guy that is going to give you the best chance to win. And if he only has one year remaining, so be it. Um, maybe if that's the case, then you find another and, and you start um, developing someone else behind him. Uh, while, while, you know, also not not taking uh, an opportunity away from someone like Jacob Conover or, or Kate Fennigan. Um, if they prove that they're good enough to start, then they absolutely, absolutely should start. But just because they've waited their turn doesn't mean it should be handed to them automatically. All right, Casey, we appreciate you joining us today. Before we let you go, though, uh, give us your quick uh, prediction for the Stanford game and also let uh, all of our listeners know where they can uh, find your stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this Stanford game. I think you have to wonder how, how much Stanford actually cares at this point. Uh, they are not going to be eligible for a bowl game no matter what happens. They just lost a rivalry game. They've been really bad this year for every game except for Notre Dame. Um, we obviously saw Notre Dame and their talent level firsthand. And Stanford has the players to go in and beat a team like that. Uh, and then they also have the, the ability to, you know, be blown out by 30 plus by just about everyone else. So it's going to be fascinating to see which Stanford shows up. I, I don't know, um, if David Shaw is on the hot seat for sure or not, but just as an outsider looking in, I, I don't know how he couldn't be uh he gets really good talent into the program every year and they just have failed to capitalize on it so i like byu to win this game i i don't think they have um the the type of team this year to just completely blow stanford out like some other teams have done but i would take byu probably in the ballpark of you know give me like 34 to 24 type score all right, yeah, I'll there. take it. Yeah, we'll we'll take that. Uh, hey, Casey, appreciate you hopping on with us today. Hey, thank you guys. Have a good one. Happy Thanksgiving. You as well. Take care. All right, we're going to head to a break here on ESPN 960. On the other side, we're going to get into an insider report. But that was Casey Lundquist from BYU Sports Illustrated. Make sure you follow him and uh, go uh, take a look at his stuff there. Um, on the other side, like I said, uh, BYU Insider Report coming at you. Uh, you've been listening to Cougar Sports right here on ESPN 960.